Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Life Change Church. We are excited that you are here today. If you are our first time guest, we're especially glad you are here. Please make sure you stop by the Connect Center on your way out of service. We have a gift for you. So we are wrapping up our series uh, today entitled My Big Fat Mouth. Um, how many of you got into trouble this week because of your mouth? All right, there's some hands, right? There's some hands. Last week when I was sitting in service and I'm, you know, watching the bumper video, that was week three of the series, and it dawned on me that I was preaching today, and the first line of the song in the bumper video is that my boss is terrible. Well, Corbin is my boss, <laughs> and so I definitely let him know I would have some fun at his expense. They're away, and so uh, just pray for them, safe travels. But we get ourselves in trouble with our mouths all the time. And so far through this series, we've talked about complaining, We've talked about gossiping, and we've talked about lying. And so I thought for, um, you know, just to get connected with each other, that I could ask for a show of hands of each group this morning. So, you know, if you're a, if you're a complainer, raise your hand. If you're a gossip, raise your hand. If you're a liar, raise your hand. But here's the problem, church. If I did that, <clears throat> then the complainers would watch the gossipers raise their hand, and then they would just complain about those people. And then the gossipers would watch the complainers raise their hands, and then they would go home and they would gossip about those people, and the liars wouldn't raise their hand at all. <laughs> right? And so there's no point of doing that. Today, we are going to wrap up this series, and we're going to do so talking about criticizing, right? Having a critical spirit, a critical mouth, being a criticizer. I like to dress. Fashion is important to me. I'm pretty particular about my clothes. Uh, I love to go shopping for clothes. I hate to buy clothes because I don't like to spend money. Um, but I love clothes. They matter to me. I'm the guy that brings 10 outfits and five pairs of shoes on a three-day vacation. Uh, that's just how I am. You never know what outfit or what color combo you're going to need. I bring three different, four different swimsuits, and I have to bring a different dry fit to match the swimsuit. Uh, listen, you don't know who's going to see you on the beach. You got to look good. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just how I am. I find ironing cathartic. Um, I may iron my cargo shorts and my graphic t-shirts. I know some of you think that's crazy. Somebody stopped me after church and first service and told me that they ironed their socks. <laughs> so I'm not as bad as it can be, right? So today I thought about coming to church in an absolutely absurd outfit so you would have something to criticize. Here's a couple of the outfits that I thought about, right? That's a little valley-ish. I could get away with that one, right? Tie with the dry fit, probably not the best idea with camel shorts. This one is my personal favorite, All right? And no, those are not the same pink shorts that DJ has on right now. Salmon, yes, they're salmon-colored shorts. And so 
some of you might not think there's anything wrong with those, so you'd fail to criticize them. And I started to think, what do I own that would draw instant criticism? And I realized I definitely have something that will draw instant criticism. Right? You like, can you see it okay? <laughs> right? Right? So the problem is we don't just criticize our sports teams, right? And for all of you who just moaned and groaned and criticized my jacket, I expect you up here for prayer after service. But the reality is this, folks. Um, when you are the one that is being criticized, it's uncomfortable, right? Have you ever been with a person, maybe you live with a person who just criticizes everything? Like everything, just criticize, 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 right? How much time do you like hanging out with that person, right? Maybe it's a friend and you have a choice. It's just not comfortable, right? I told you I like clothes. It's not uncommon for me to criticize other people's outfits. In fact, there have been many times that my wife and my kids have received a text message from me. And in the text will be a picture of a total stranger whose outfit I find completely ridiculous. And the only reason I sent it was so I could criticize their outfit. Yes, I take pictures of people I don't know so I can criticize them. I have a problem, right? We can laugh at that. It's ridiculous. But the problem is this. That is not the only area of my life that I can be critical in. I criticize the way people speak the way people drive, the way they work. I'm just a critical person. And in short, if I'm not careful, I even criticize things I know nothing about. And for those of you who are in the room that are also critical spirit people, you do the same. You share this. You understand what I'm talking about. For those of you that live with a person who is critical, you also understand my kids and my wife have lived with it for so long that they just laugh at me. In fact, most of you know I come from a blended family. Uh, my kids from my first marriage, it's their weekend with their mom. Um, but when my wife told them that I was preaching on being critical, they're like, Mom, we're going to Dad's church because we got to hear this. <laughs> right? And so it's an unhealthy behavior, and the problem is that some of my kids have taken on my critical spirit because it's what I've modeled for them. I'm certainly not the only one in here who struggles with being critical. Church, the problem is this. Being critical can be destructive. I'm going to say that again. Being critical can be destructive. It can destroy relationships. It can destroy the esteem of the one being criticized and even the one doing the criticism. And so some of you are already laughing, which means I know you either are a criticizer or you live with the one who is the criticizer, right? And so for those, let's ask the, the people that live with the criticizer, because I'm concerned that the criticizer won't tell the truth. We'll go back to lying, right? For those of you who live with the criticizer, what are some of the things that they criticize? Nothing. First service, like, eh, everything, right? All right, I won't make it uncomfortable. Criticizers criticize. It's what we do, right? And we don't just stop with things like clothes and, you know, whatever other stuff I mentioned. We don't just stop there. We even criticize things in the church, right? So life change, church, 
um, is a church made up of many different doctrinal traditions. We know within Christianity as a whole, the big C, the big church, there are several, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Catholic, many more. And then within those doctrinal traditions, there's many denominations. And typically what happens is this church, Southern Baptist, if, uh, if you're not from one of those denominations or one of those doctrinal traditions, you end up criticizing that tradition, right? Today in the state and age that we live in and social media and the, high, the internet and you can get stuff right here. You know, we blog, podcast, listen to sermons online. We've at no, no greater point in time than where we are today do we have national pastors, right? National ministers, national speakers. Google any of those national speakers and you're going to find critical remarks, criticism, negative backbiting comments about them. We don't stop there, though. Sometimes, in fact, most times, we even criticize our own church. As we attend Life Change, we criticize Life Change. We even criticize our own pastor. Now notice, he's not here today, so if you want to criticize him today, right? And so, but we have a critical spirit, and we even criticize our own church and our own pastor. Here's the truth, friends. Criticism from the church, of the church, destroys the church. Right? Criticism from the church, of the church, destroys the church. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. If you don't have your Bible, you can pull out your phone and download the YouVersion Bible app. It's a fantastic app that lets you take your Bible anywhere. It also has reading plans and daily devotions with reminders to help you stay in the Word daily. You can check out our Facebook page each week to see what plan the church is reading. So you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 14, and, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. We'll be in the bulk of the first half of chapter 5, but this isn't going to be our central text, and it says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. I want to give you a little bit of context in this passage of Scripture that I'm going to ask you to keep in mind as we go through it. Um, this passage of Scripture is a direct reference to what we call the Abrahamic Covenant. Some of you know it, some of you may not. Just stay with me and I'll explain it. Abrahamic Covenant is probably my favorite covenant in the Bible. It's where God clearly chooses man and establishes a plan for him. So God picks this guy named Abram and he tells him, hey, I'm going to establish covenantal relationship with you. You are going to be the father of many nations. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the heavens and the grains of sand in the desert. Now, in order for something to be a covenant, bloodshed has to take place. That's the establishment of the covenant. And so as part of the covenant, Abraham, God tells Abraham, hey, you... And all of your men have to be circumcised. And circumcision going forward is going to be the mark of 
my covenant with you. And so for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, Jewish boys and men were circumcised as a sign of physical commitment and dedication of their relationship with God. Fast forward to Jesus Christ. He comes onto the scene, goes through his ministry. His death, his bloodshed, becomes the mark of the new covenant. Remember, covenant has to involve bloodshed. Jesus says, no longer are you going to shed blood for the mark of the covenant. Instead, I'm going to shed blood for the mark of the covenant. And now, human blood is no longer required because my blood covers it all. Jesus has now left the earth. He's resurrected. He's ascended into heaven. The first church is growing. And the first church, not so big on circumcision. They're not fans. And here's where this passage of Scripture comes into play. The Jewish church was still demanding circumcision as the mark of the covenant. The New Testament, the first church, was like, we ain't doing that, right? And so that's where we are. That's the background of what we're talking about today. I said a moment ago that when the church criticizes the church, it destroys it. The main thought today, the main point I want to emphasize is this. It's our responsibility to build the church, not destroy the church. And I'm going to repeat that. It's our job to build the church and not destroy it. When Corbin was talking about gossiping and lying, he made this statement in both messages. Everything that is said should be true. But not everything that is true needs to be said. Yeah, right? That statement applies to being critical as well. From my experience, most people that are critical also always struggle with being right. And for those of you who live with a critical person, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm going to get myself in trouble. My family was all here first service, and they were laughing during this part. Um, because I also have to be right. I have to be right, right? And so we feel, those of us who are like that, we feel that it is our number one responsibility point out all wrongs in an effort to help people be as right as us. Listen, I want you to be right. Let me help you. <laughs> and we do just that. We don't call it being critical. We call it being helpful. I want to help you. It's not helpful though, is it? Yeah, no, not really. It's not helpful. In fact, it's destructive. Listen, your outfit might be an absolute train wreck, but you don't need me to tell you that, <laughs> right? You don't need, what, what good is it on a Sunday morning when you walk in here and I'm like, hey man, like those shoes and that shirt, eh, don't go. It's what are you going to leave, go home and change your clothes? No, you're going to sit in service and stew that Daryl told you your outfit didn't match all the time and then miss what God's trying to do in your life, right? <laughs> right? For people like me, it's an absolute eye-opener that not everybody wants my opinion, right? So for a critical person in the room, maybe this is the first time you're hearing it. 
not everyone wants your opinion, right? Not everything that is true needs to be said. Now, I've gotten better as I've gotten older, but clearly I still have room to grow. Um, most, again, from my experience, most people who struggle with being critical and, and have to always be right, they do it from a position of insecurity. When I was a teenager growing up, I was super awkward, super insecure in myself. I argued a ton, and I started to draw value from being right. I started drawing value from winning arguments, even if it made someone else feel like less because I made them believe that they were wrong. Now, I don't draw my value from that anymore. I'm pretty secure in my relationship with Christ. Sometimes, of course, I still struggle just like you do. But I'm pretty confident of who I am in Him. However, being critical just became a part of who I am. It became a part of my DNA. It's an unhealthy behavior pattern in my life. And even though it was once rooted in the insecurity, now it's just part of me. And just like any other unhealthy behavior pattern, it needs to be broken. And for those of you who are critical, maybe some of you right now are already dismissing what I'm saying because you're criticizing it. What I'm telling you, church, is that it has to be broken. And there's good news because there's always hope in Jesus Christ. So if you are a critical person, you have a critical attitude, then together we're going to find a way to change and the reason why we need to change together. And so together... We're going to learn to build the church instead of destroying it. And the very first step is simple, church. It's stop caring. Just stop caring. Now let me explain what I mean by that. There are so many things that we tend to criticize, including in the church, but most of the stuff that we criticize, A, doesn't matter, B is not ours to care about in the first place. And C, we are not in a position of power to change. Right? So here I'm criticizing all this stuff that doesn't matter, that's not my responsibility to care about, and is not in my power to change. I want you to stop and think for a moment with me when the last time you criticized something was, and specifically maybe the church. Did it really, really matter? Was it even yours to care about? Did you have the power to change it? In my time in ministry, I've heard it all. We should have coffee. We shouldn't have coffee. We can't have drinks in the sanctuary because it's a holy place. Right? We hear it. Sing more contemporary songs. Sing more hymns. The drums are from Satan. Hey, I legit heard that. <laughs> I can't focus on Jesus during worship because DJ looks too much like Dave Matthews. <laughs> and today he's wearing pink shorts. Salmon shorts. Right? Like, you hear it all, man. Like, the pastor is not transparent enough. No, the pastor is too transparent. I didn't need to know what he struggled with this week. Why does Corbin talk about his Google Calendar every sermon? Right? Hey, that couch can't be moved because it was bought for that specific spot and the person that donated it wants it there. 
hey, we can't get rid of that thing over there because it was donated 20 years ago and the person that donated it died and we now need to keep it there to honor them. Right? We have ridiculous criticisms in the church. Now, I've legit heard all of those. Well, most of them. I might have made up the ones about Corbin and DJ. And I might be the one who criticizes Corbin for talking about his Google Calendar every sermon. <laughs> right? But the whole point is this. We criticize so much stuff, and most of it doesn't matter. Most of it's not even ours to care about, and most of it's not in our power to change. But here's what is in your power to change. You. You are within your power to change. This is verse 6 of Galatians 5. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. I told you, circumcision was the mark of the covenant. It was the physical act that marked the relationship with God. The New Testament church didn't practice that, and then the infighting began. Right? Today, we don't practice circumcision. We practice water baptism as the physical sign of a relationship with God. And we fight over water baptism. Should immersion versus sprinkling. Right? I've had people say to me, I had a stage four cancer patient that I was going to sprinkle. He ended up choosing to be immersed. He's like, man, dunk me. Like, if it's the last thing I can physically do, let's do it. Right? Um, but man, I have people tell me, oh, you can't sprinkle that guy. Bible class, you got to immerse him. That's what the Bible says. So here you got a guy, just got saved, has a heart for Jesus, wants to be baptized, physically can't get in the tank without assistance, and you're telling me i got to do it that way? Jesus is not going to honor sprinkling this guy? What? And so today, I checked with my our resident firefighter, Dan, to see if he could get me a hose and a nozzle. Uh, what I was going to do, like here's our tank right here, just going to hook up that fire hose and baptize everybody all at one time. <laughs> right? Because here's what Paul is saying. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. Here's what matters. Faith working in love. And that's it. Faith working in love. See, the Jewish People that were upset with the first church, they weren't helping them. They were criticizing them. And they weren't doing it from a position of love. They were doing it from a position of just being critical. Parents in the room, how many times do you hear one of your kids say, well, it's not fair, so-and-so had to do this. Right? This is the position it's coming from. It's not coming from a position of love. It's just coming from a position of self Rightness. If we had to do it, then they have to do it. And Paul is saying, stop. Here's what matters. Faith, working, and love. So the last time you were upset with something that happened at church, last time you were upset about something that happened at life change, how did you handle it? Were you critical? Or did you have faith in God? Did you have faith in your leadership that they hear from God? And did you just keep loving without criticizing? And I'm not talking just about not criticizing them. I'm talking about criticizing them to your spouse or to your sibling, right? Because it's not just about critical spirit. It's not just direct criticism. It's indirect criticism too, right? Church, it's time to stop caring. 
We see all over the Bible, it's very clear that you can't just stop a negative behavior, that you have to replace it with a positive one, or the negative comes right back. And so step two is start complimenting. Start complimenting. What if we complimented instead of criticized? We already talked about how much nobody likes to hang out with a criticizer, right? It's uncomfortable. Do you ever just want to tell them, shut up? Right, criticize. Can you just please shut up? Right? I'm a pretty decent cook. It's one of my passions. I love to do it. Uh, what I'm about to say is going to sound kind of arrogant, but I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> my favorite cuisines to cook, I love American, Italian, Mexican, Mediterranean barbecue. Like, you give me any of that stuff, man, I'm cooking all day long. Love it. Um, I like it. Here's what I don't like, and here's where the arrogant part comes in. I don't like to go out to eat and spend money on food I cook better. I hate it, man. It drives me nuts. Again, I have a spending money problem. I don't, I don't like it, man. And it makes it unbearable for my family because we go to a restaurant and I just start criticizing the food, man. Like, man, why did we go out to eat and spend, for my family, 100 bucks easily for everybody to eat? Well, we could have just stayed home, man. I could have blown the doors off of this meal. Right? <laughs> it, but it comes from a heart of being critical. My wife has recently taken to telling people this story. Now all of you know, so she won't have to say it again. But I've heard her tell this story recently two or three times. And then I'm hearing her say, yeah, Daryl doesn't like to pay for money he can, or food he cooks better. I'm thinking, man, that sounds terrible. Somebody needs to tell that guy to shut up. Right? It's horrible. And that's what you want to say to a criticizer because it's miserable. But listen to what the scriptures say. Verse 13 and 14 say, serve one another humbly in love. Yeah, that sounds real humble, doesn't it? Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. One of my love languages is words of affirmation. If you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. Um, in fact, I think it's true of most men and really people in general. We want to be affirmed. We want to be complimented. We want to know that we're doing a good job. And most importantly, we want to know from the people that love us. It's hard to know that somebody loves you when all they do is criticize and all they do is complain and all they do is verbally tear you down for the way that you do things. None of us like to be loved that way, nor should we love others that way, right? It goes back to the old saying that our parents taught us. If you don't have anything nice to say, yeah, right. This one is super tough for me. Again, I feel like it's my parental duty to do, right? I come in the door from work. There will be a pile of unfolded clothes where we keep our unfolded clothes. And multiple dirty dishes. And I'm talking the dishwasher could be empty. And it's literally sink, dishwasher. Like, how, like you don't even have to step. It's just a pivot. That's it. Like, you can't, is your waist broken? You can't do that, right? And so I come home from work and I see this and I see my kids just on their tablets or phones or whatever. I'm like, what is going on, man? And instantly I just start tying into them. Like, dude, you couldn't fold the laundry? Zach, you couldn't see that the grass needed cut? Are you kidding me? It's 18 inches high. You got crabgrass cuts on your ankles walking in the door. 
You couldn't see that? You couldn't see that the dishes needed to be put in the dish? Like, just boom, on them. Criticize, 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 criticize. And again, it doesn't come from a position of, hey, I'm loving my kids, I'm teaching them responsibility. It comes from, do the stinging dishes, dude. And I'm just on them. My wife does a really good job of pointing this out to me when I do it. It usually goes something like this. Hey, Brown, which is her nickname. I'll call her Red. Hey, Brown, shut up. Right? All you've done since you walked in the door is complain and criticize. Nobody wants to be with you when you act like that. The kids have waited for you to get home all day, and all you do is ride them the second you get in the door. You think they're going to be excited to see you tomorrow? Right? But this is what happens, man. And my kids constantly seek my approval and my affirmation because I'm their dad. They want to know they're doing a good job. They want to know that I'm proud of them. How are they going to know if I don't ever tell them? How are they going to know if all I do is tell them about how they did it wrong? Who else in my life needs to know that? Who in your life needs to know that? Who in your life needs to be complimented instead of criticized? And I'm not just talking about the people that you love, the people in your home. What about the Kroger's clerk that's taking too long? Right? A friend works at Kroger's. I see her there all the time, man. Like, what about that person? What about your other service providers in the community that might be having a bad day and they don't give you like five star out of five star service and you're just like, eh, 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 eh. right? Man, come on. What about church leaders that make decisions that you disagree with? What about people that are serving in the church that serve in a way that you don't like? I'm going to tell you what, church. Without a shadow of a doubt, Corbin and Sarah need your compliments way more than they need your criticism. DJ and the worship team, they need your compliments way more than they need your criticism. Bridget in kids' life, Caleb and Kayla Nilo in student life, Seth and his facility team, which includes um, Robert and Travis and the teams that they lead, Julie and her first impressions team, the Daltons in the life group, Brandon Kahn in the tech team. These guys need your compliments way, way more than they need your criticism. Remember what we talked about. The Jewish people of the day, they, they weren't talking about anything from a position of love. They were talking about from a position of being self-right. If we have to do it, so do they. And so am I saying that you never have room to address a situation? No, because sometimes things do need to be addressed. Sometimes your points are valid, but they need to be addressed in a valid way. And the way you address them from a position of validity is doing it from a position of love, not from a position of just being right. Paul did not say faith work, working by being right or faith by self-righteousness. He said faith working in love. And so when you do have an issue that may need legitimate attention, make sure that you are doing it from a position of love. And so let me give you this recommendation. Take a minute. Right? Take a minute. Because most of us, when we see something, it, and it's right in the moment, it ends up being a reaction instead of an action. Right? So man, just take a minute. 
Go back to what we talked about. Does it really matter? Is it yours to care about? Do you have the power to change it? Just take a minute and then address it. Church, it's time that we start complimenting. And then finally, we have to stay consistent. We have to stay consistent. Look, this stuff is hard, man. It's hard. For some of us, it can be really hard. I get it. I mentioned being critical has just become a part of who I am. It's an unhealthy behavior. And we know that unhealthy behaviors are hard to break, are they not? Like, we know that. And for some of you, criticizing is not one of your unhealthy behaviors, but you have them. And you know, you work and you work and you work and you work and you try to change, you try to change, you try to change, it just keeps happening. Well, here's the reality, folks. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Yesterday, we are at men's group. One of the guys was sharing, hey, I was like this for 30 plus years. And I was saved. Like, I was a Christian. And I was still like this for 30 years. And then about 18 months ago, man, the power of the Holy Ghost just pow. And I finally surrendered. And my life has been different ever since. I've never been the same. Because I allowed the Holy Spirit, A, to show me some truth about myself. B, help me to surrender to Him to allow His power to change my life. So yeah, earlier I said, here's what you have the power to do, change you. You do with the help of the Holy Spirit. Right? Because you can't do it by yourself, or you probably would have already done it. But church, the Holy Spirit can change you. It is hard, but it can happen. And it's important that we stay consistent. It's important that we stay consistent. It's so vitally healthy to you as a believer in Christ and to the church as a whole to shed having a critical spirit. And there's a couple of reasons why. First, when, when you're constantly critical, I think you lose credibility, right? I think, remember the old cartoon where like the, the sky's falling, 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 the sky's falling. And then when the sky was really falling, nobody believed him. Like one of my kids just the other day came to me and said, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, I don't believe you. They were stunned. Dad, don't believe me? I was like, no, because the last three times you told me about that, it was a lie. So guess what? I don't believe you. And then they were crushed. Like, hey, man, don't lie. Maybe I'll believe you. Right? People that are constantly critical lose credibility. I was with a younger minister not that long ago who was being super critical about another church. And I was super turned off, man. Like, it's like, don't even want to hear that. Didn't even want to listen to what they were saying. And I started to realize some things. I've had some influence in that person's life. And as I was sitting there being turned off by everything this person was complaining and criticizing about another church, I realized I had set the example of being critical and of criticizing other ministries, criticizing other churches, telling everything how they do wrong. You know, every pastor will tell you the worst thing for them to do is to go to another church, man, because they're just like, you know. It's what happens, right? You start assessing things. And if you're not careful, your assessment turns into criticism. I'd apologize right there, right on the moment I had to apologize. I don't know if my apologize, apology, though, had any weight because I'd lost credibility. But what's even more important than losing credibility is you become bound. You become bound. 
Verse 1, 4, and 7 in Galatians 5 says, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? When we become critical, we become bound. Church, Paul is telling the church at Galatia that they started out well, but they became ensnared again. Christ died to set us free. And in order to stay free, church, we have to stay consistent. This is the message that Paul is saying. You started out well. Who got you off track? There was a break in your consistency. And I don't want you to miss this. This is critical. Paul is not talking about a specific sin when he says, hey, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yes, of course we know he set us free from our sins, but he's also set us free from legalism. That's the context of this passage of Scripture that Paul is addressing. Hey, you have to do this to have a relationship with Christ? No, we don't. Paul's saying it doesn't matter because you've been set free. Stay free. Now, we've already talked about church tradition, the doctrinal backgrounds. Life Change Church is made up of a melting pot of church traditions, right? We're an Assemblies of God church with a whole lot of diverse backgrounds. I grew up in the Assemblies. I used to believe, hey, man, if you're not an Assembly of God, you're going to hell. And I would tell you, right? It didn't matter even if you were Pentecostal. Hey, there is no other Pentecostal denomination than the AG. We're it. And if you ain't part of it, you're not going, right? We do that in other areas within the greater church. But Paul is saying, stay free. Stand firm. Listen to the language he uses. It's very strong. And he's talking to believers. You who are trying to be justified in the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. So all those things that you're demanding to take place in the church, Paul is saying you've alienated yourself from Christ and you've fallen from grace. Church, we have to stay consistent. And we can do so through the power of the Holy Spirit. But why is all of this important? It goes back to our main text. The whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Church, there are people out there that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There might be people in this room right now that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I hope that there are because I can't think of a better place for you to be on a Sunday morning than in church. If the example of church church that they see is one of constant criticism, how attracted to church, to Jesus, do you think that they will be? When we constantly criticize the church, we destroy each other, and we destroy the church. I'll go one step further. When we constantly criticize the church, we destroy the image of Christ. The one who does not know Jesus draws their image of Jesus from the church. And when the church is destructive, it's Jesus we destroy. So please, 
Stop caring. Start complimenting. Stay consistent. And together, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will build the church instead of destroying it. As we close, I want you to pull out the response card from the seat back in front of you. I'd like everyone to fill it out today and respond, and we'll collect them in just a moment. Maybe you're here today, and you have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know that this wasn't one of a ton of hope of how Jesus can transform your life. It's really about a a church-taking-care-of-business message. But man, I want to tell you that there is hope in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you're encountering. He has the power to change your life. And so if you want to make a commitment to Jesus, if you want to believe that God loves you and that he wants to forgive you of your sins and change your life, then I want you to mark that first box on the back of your Connect card that you'd like to make a commitment to follow Jesus today. In the second box, maybe God's asking you to do something. Maybe this message has kind of hit home for you. Maybe like me, you're kind of critical and you struggle in this area, but God is challenging you to make a difference. Maybe you have another unhealthy behavior in your life that through this message, God has challenged you. Go ahead and mark in that box that God is asking me to, and you can fill in the blank. And then finally, there's a room for prayer requests on the back of that card. If you have anything you'd like us to pray about this week, you can go ahead and mark that there. I'm going to give you a few minutes to pray and to fill out your cards. In just a moment, Seth will be back up with next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.